Tired of losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Call into the show at 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. Now, let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. We're being joined by Tony Hickson, author of the book, Retirement Stepping Stones, plus how retirees should approach retirement and wealth preservation so, Tony, for those who are not familiar with your work, describe your background. What led you to finance? Yeah. Well, Josh, uh, thank you for your time. It's nice meeting you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to your audience today. Um, yeah, my name is Tony Hickson, and um, I'm from Northwest Ohio, a little little town called Finley. It's the corporate headquarters for Marathon Petroleum and the hometown for Ben Roethlisberger for all those Steeler fans out there. I started my career in accounting in the late 90s, heading into uh, into 2000, where the tech bubble burst, and shortly thereafter, the uh, September 11th terrorist attacks. So our country was really under a, a dark cloud of economic, um, economic despair. But um, my business partner and I, um, prior to starting the business, we... We grabbed some lunch and uh, we really wanted to to start something different and to really help our help uh, clients make wise decisions with their money. So we hung out our shingle in 2002 and uh, we started an investment management firm in, in Finley and we've been running money for 21 years now. So we're celebrating our 21st year in business here in, uh, in August. So we're excited to celebrate that. Yeah. So your book... Uh, Stepping stone stones stems from a very personal story about your mother. Describe the tragedy or the tragic story that motivated you for writing the book. Yeah, you know, I appreciate that question. And Josh, um, I think the to kind of set the story up, um, we did start the business in 2002. And so I've, um, yeah, I was young at the time and just trying to understand how, how this industry worked. And obviously we're a, a numbers based people, right? We, we were, uh, we're left brain. We want to make sure that we got have all the quantitative metrics in place. And so for the first half of my career, uh, that's really what described it. And, um, about midway through my career, in fact, in 2010, 2011, a personal tragedy struck and it really changed the way. Uh, that I approach clients for the for the latter half of my career and and moving forward, and so I guess to set the story up, Josh, I would sim simply start by saying that uh, my mom um, graduated as a registered nurse in 1971, so quite a long time ago. But um, she quickly climbed through the ranks of the healthcare system, and she started as a floor nurse at a local hospital. But I guess the long hours and swing shift. Uh, they they were pretty difficult for raising her fun, young family, including uh, me and my older sister. And so soon she'd find a job in home health where she had more regular hours and a steady income. And this ultimately led her to finding her calling as a hospice nurse. And soon she'd become the director of hospice at a local agency. 
And it was this career in hospice that was her greatest joy, her, I guess her ultimate calling. It was her, her purpose and her significance. It was this career in hospice that led to the greatest burnout I'd ever seen. I, I, if you remember back in the mid 2000s, electronic medical records really became a thing. And my mom, technologically challenged, found herself behind a desk more than she was able to be bedside. And she longed to get back to providing care for the terminally ill as they passed from this life to the next. And But instead, uh, bureaucracy, administrative work, electronic medical records, that really became her focus. And so she suffered from emotional and spiritual and relational and career burnout. And she wanted nothing more than to retire, to exit the rat race and enjoy a quiet life on the farm that my dad and her still lived on. And so she ran this past her primary financial advisor. We, we separated family and business. This was a good thing. So she ran the, the idea of retiring past her primary financial advisor. And this advisor pulled out her credentialing, her, her experience, and of course, her software, and gave her the green light. She and dad had enough money to retire. And I was eight years into my career at the time. And she wanted to give me the opportunity to give a second opinion. So I pulled out my credentialing, my experience, and my software. And I, too, came up with the same result. Mom and dad had enough money. And so I gave them the green light to retire. And so she did. And shortly after retiring in the fall of 2010, we immediately knew that something was wrong. She was adrift in her retirement. The care and purpose and, and significance that she found in her career were now nowhere to be found. Dad was still working. He hadn't retired yet. And her network of social connections were still at the office. They were still at work and unavailable for connecting throughout her day. And she was bored and she was wandering and she felt purposely, purposeless. She knew exactly what she had retired from, but she had no idea what she was retiring to. She had enough money to sleep at night, but not enough purpose to get up in the morning. And she fell into a deep depression as her future became bleak and her mental health spiraled downward. And six months after retiring on the morning of March 22nd, 2011, my mom, Pam Hickson, chose to take her life. And the, and the ripple effects of that decision were staggering. My mom, or my, my dad now had no one to spend life with. My, my sister and I, no mom to help journey through life. And my kids, and her grandkids would miss the blessing that their grandma would be to them as they grew up. And me, I I was left to pick up the pieces. You see, Josh, I was, I was one of the financial advisors that gave her the green light to retire. The very thing that drove her to her death. And I felt an immense amount of guilt and shame. I, I could have let that guilt define me, to ruin me. But I chose by God's grace, to turn this tragedy into triumph and those stumbling blocks into stepping stones. And I now know that money is only part of the equation for a successful transition to retirement. Meaning and purpose and legacy, they all carry equal weight into the transition to what's next. I discovered the hard way 
that it's not nearly as important to define what we're retiring from, it's critical that the pre-retiree do the hard work of defining who they are apart from their career and to find significance and purpose in the second half of life and to discover what they're retiring to. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'm I'm very sorry about your tragedy. I mean, that's horrible, heartbreaking. Yeah. So yeah, how did you, what was uh, a moment for you? So you're feeling guilt over what happened to your mother and like what, what, what uh, when, how do you go from guilt to this better outlook? I know yeah. there's a, t- there's also a Ted talk that people, if you want to watch it, uh, Ted, Tony Hickson's Ted talk and Hickson is spelled H I X O N. So you can watch mm-hmm. the whole Ted talk, but Hey, I mean, for those who may not be able to watch it or hear about it, how did you transition personally? We're going to help all of our listeners today gain more purpose. I think it's a great point of what are you retiring to? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. You know, and to build yeah. that plan before you actually retire. Mm-hmm. But how did you, you know, how did you okay. go from guilt to grace? How did you make that transition? Yeah, it's a great question. And I'll, I'll be quite honest, Josh, it wasn't all at once. Uh, I didn't come to that transition um, within six months. I didn't come to that transition within three years, but slowly and surely um, after I really discovered um, not only the mistakes that she made, but the but the way that I could coach my clients to prevent them from making those same mistakes, I found purpose in those. And so uh, slowly but surely, I, I was able to articulate that story to friends and loved ones. And I can't I can't forget the 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 time in 2017 when um, there was a press request for our industry, and the press request was was there. Was there ever a time when you overcame a challenge and, and it made you a better advisor? And I saw a few other advisors put in their um, their uh, their their answer to that question. It was I, I I was in a bad accident and it and I overcame it and it made me a better advisor. Or I had cancer and I I'm now cancer free and I'm serving my clients well. And I came at it from a, di- a bit of a different story. I I really um, the story I just shared was was deeply personal. And um, I, w- I was able to articulate from a non-financial perspective to my clients how they could transition to a life of meaning beyond retirement. And so in 2017, when I um, had that interview for, for Market Watch, um, the half-hour interview ended up being an hour long. And at the time that, um, at the, by the time that interview was done, the, the person from the journalist had said, Tony, I don't know if you've ever considered putting this into book form, but you have a book inside you. Uh, you just might not know it yet. And so that kind of planted the seed in me, Josh, for that transition to really take place as to how could I really reposition this story to not just draw tears or, or, or make it an emotional story, but really to turn it into a positive, optimistic, life-changing event that I could communicate and teach others to identify what their values are so that they could um, uh, transition into a life, a better second half and make their future bigger than their past. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. So what, uh, it's kind of a personal question. What do you want to retire to? Have you ever given thought to that? I have. And, um, you know, in, in our coaching, I mean, you're, you're a pretty our... young guy. So, I mean, it looks like you'll, you'll, you might have a 20 year plus career ahead, but I appreciate But that. I often yeah. think about, you know, you know, when I'm, 70 plus, I got a ways to go. What am I going to do? 
Mm-hmm. And I have an idea, but uh, I just want to yeah. know what your yours would be. Well, first of all, I, I, the camera must be, I, I have a filter on, so it's making me look younger than I am. Um, I get that question quite a bit and I love it. Uh, oftentimes we encourage our, our pre-retirees who are leading into retirement um, after they they pull the trigger and, and and stop their employment to take what we call a halftime. And so if you think about a football game, right, the, the players play the first half, they come out, they, they try their best, they go into the locker room with the goal of assessing what happened and to come out in the second half and win the game. No one remembers the score of a football game at halftime. What matters is what happened at the end of the game. And so what we encourage our um, our clients, our retirees to do is to take that halftime and, and a very purposeful halftime to identify what they want the rest of their, the remainder of their um, life to look like. And so I guess when people ask me, what am I re- retiring to? I think I'm there. Uh, the halftime really... The, the halftime transition for me was that period of time after uh, mom's death. And it took me some time to process, to get into the locker room and really deal with the hard work of grieving, of the emotional um, damage that had been done. And then slowly but surely as time elapsed to, to turn, slowly turn that tragedy and triumph and that stumbling block into stepping stones. And so as I sit here today, I can honestly say I'm living my second half right now. I've retired to helping clients transition to a purposeful uh, second half of their life as well. So I've seen this problem with many clients and listener friends over the years. They retire. Some of them can find a job in their second act. I think of a dear Wall Street executive, depressed uh, after she retired and then, uh, she found a second gig as a travel agent is now a luxury travel agent getting yeah. uh, significance, helping couples plan their honeymoons, people plan mm-hmm. their, uh, you know, trips of meaning. And it really, you know, you wouldn't have thought a hey, wall street executive turned travel advisor, but mm-hmm. she's doing a heck of a job at it. Then mm-hmm. I've seen, remember another guy, you know, he retired, Early, then he was so depressed, he then went back to work because he said, hey, I'd rather, you know, drive my wife crazy. What are some tips for people who are retiring so they don't go crazy when they retire? And I don't mean that to be, you know, it happens. I mean, it happens more than, I mean, I I know some of my oldest living clients who don't need to retire are people who kind of have these side gigs i'm thinking of a 90 plus year old man who i think he worked till he was like 89 (laughs) just retired (laughs) last year Mm -hmm. so it does really help working helps build significance and meaning uh what are tips for people as they're transitioning yeah i think that's really insightful and i appreciate those stories about your your experiences with your clients as well um in the book i I identify um kind of what you're speaking of as a, a plan b and ultimately what happens, the statistics statistics would reveal that uh, over 40% of retirees will experience some sort of anxiety or depression within the first six months of retirement. And if we would drill in as to why, why is that? Well, I, I think it really has to do with the human, uh, us humans are resistant to change. And this is a big change. So often our identity is wrapped up into our careers 
And so if I were to ask you, you know, who are you? It's very easy to say who you are by, um, by, by your title. I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a financial advisor, I'm a nurse. But, in, um, but when your career is behind you and you're, you're retired, if I ask you, who are you? And you can't use your career as, uh, as an answer to that question, it can be very unsettling. And you know, I, I don't know, I'm not sure who I am. You see in your career phase, you spend so much time climbing the corporate ladder, raising a family, um, making sure you're paying the mortgage, that when that question occurs, who am I? You can crowd it out. It's very easy to crowd it out in the busyness of life. But in retirement, when things slow down and you don't have a 40 plus hour per week job, when that question occurs, who am I? You can't hide it. You have to come face to face with that question and identify who you are apart from your career. And so what we often encourage is for clients or yeah, for clients and retirees to identify their values. We actually take clients through um, a values exercise where we give them a card deck of 52 cards and they start to identify, I'm not this, I am this, I'm not this. And the bottom line, they get to their top five core values of, of what they identify with. And from there, they can start to say, hey, this is who I am. I am passionate about literacy. I am passionate about the environment. I'm passionate about building into the next generation of my grandkids. And once you identify what that is, a plan B becomes very, very, um, uh, uh, it, it reveals itself very easily so that your Wall Street executive can be that travel agent. So that next client can um, can transition from a lawyer to being an awesome uh, grandfather to their kids. And so those are the, those are the questions that we really uh, ask our clients to ensure that they transition into something that's next for them. So let's talk about some of those questions. What are the questions you ask? Yeah. Um, oftentimes I, I, I would, I would, be quick to say too that not only does is the the statistics reveal that forty uh, percent of retirees will will have depression or anxiety, but also that divorce rates will spike within the first two years of retirement, and that's oftentimes because you're used to a bit of healthy separation between a uh, during your career phase to now being together all the time. And if you and your spouse or you and your significant other aren't on the same page of what's next for you, um, that can really cause mm. some major issues. So the questions that we really start to, really, to to ask is, what's important to you? What what pulls on your heartstrings? Um, how do you want to leave? You know, your race isn't complete. What legacy, what impact on this world do you want to have on on, on your family, on your community, on your state, on your country, for, for, for you to feel as though you finished well. And so we really just start to uh, vision cast alongside our client to take maybe the skills that they've, uh, that they've gathered from a 30, 40 year career and be able to continue to bless humanity with them in the next phase. Have you ever gotten people go, oh, it sounds nice, but I came to you wanting to know about a Roth or a 529 or an annuity or, you know, life insurance or IRAs, 401ks. Uh, this vision casting is a little too, too much. It's too, too mm. uncomfortable. Yeah, we, we absolutely have Josh. And I'll tell you what, and when that happens, one of two things will happen. Number one, I'll tell this story. I'll tell the story I just told you and your listeners today. And they'll start to be like, Oh, seriously, 
th- this matters. Maybe I wanted that Roth conversion, but you're you're bringing something up that I hadn't really considered. And oftentimes that's what our financial industry is very uh, good at doing. You, you need to, the, the, the financial side of uh, retirement is very, very important. And Josh, I know you you have a lot of designations and that's appropriate. I'm so glad that you're able to serve your clients well with those. The financial side is right and the non-financial side needs considered. So if after I've told that story of how my mom was impacted, she had enough money to sleep at night, but not enough purpose to get up in the morning. If that doesn't impact them, then um, then we simply stick with the numbers and we we honor that and we move forward. But oftentimes a client will start to take a deep breath. They'll they'll put their head back and start to consider, you know what, maybe this really matters and I should do the hard work of deciding what I'm transitioning to. So pretend I'm a client. I sit down with you. When we return, what would you ask me? I'm in the chair. I'm a client or a prospective client. What are maybe the three, you mentioned some of it, but what are the three most important questions you get to ask somebody who is sitting down in front of you? And then three things that you kind of give to give them hope in transition. When we return, this is Josh Jelinski with Tony Hickson of the new book, Stepping Stones. You could go to his website, Tony Hickson, that's H-I-X-O-N.com, buy his book. Or get it for free. Tony is shipping four of us to the first four of you who schedule and keep your no-obligation review by calling us at 888-988-5674, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH. Maybe it seems like prices can't get much higher or that the stock market is headed for bear territory. Or maybe you're worried about another great recession. Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, can help you protect your family's financial future in times like these. Tune in this weekend to the financial quarterback to hear how Josh and his team can help you decrease your tax liability and lower your risk. Call 888-988-5674 to take advantage of Josh's 27-point plan to achieve financial health. And when you call, you'll receive a free copy of Josh's book, Retirement Reality Check. Tune in every weekend to The Financial Quarterback and call 888-988-5674 to receive your free copy of Retirement Reality Check. And we're back. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. We're live on YouTube, Clubhouse, WOR, 710 AM. Also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can listen to podcasts on Google, Google Play, whatever it might be. Uh, hit the subscribe button. So, I, yeah, so I sit down with you. How do you, you know, what do you say to me? I mean, I've heard yeah. different. The, the only reason why I'm curious is over the years I've done stuff like this, and because we're in the Northeast, people really go right to the money questions, mm-hmm. typically. So mm-hmm. I think some of it's regional. And yeah. at various times in my career, I've when we sit down with clients, I used to do the R-DOS questions. Did you ever hear those? Yes. And then there was one, uh, Baccarat questions or something, you know, what does money mean to you? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
for whatever reason, you know, it we we kind of dropped it just because people in the Northeast tend to be, uh, and we have clients all over the country, but you know, where we, when mm. I was really doing those questions, cause I enjoyed it because I thought, you know, it gave great significance to what we were doing and it was serving the client. And they've, they've often very rarely connected their money with their heart, their mission. I'll tell you a really powerful story. One listener friend shared with me, in a few minutes, maybe one of the most powerful stories of my career. And this was after knowing them for 14 years. I never heard this story because we were doing trust and estate planning. So it's sort of like in the life cycle of a client in the Northeast, it's like those things come as you get to know them. But I think it's great that you do it right away. What are, yeah. what are the, what are the three top questions you ask? Yeah. Well, kind I've of break the one. shell. Yeah, I've identified one. And the first one is I'm Mr. and Mrs. Client, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect. Answer this question without using your title. Who are you? Right. And, and so it forces them to say, oh, I can't respond. I'm a doctor. I, I cannot respond. I'm an architect. Hmm. So it really forces them to sit back in their chair and think, man, who am I? Who am I? What what unique set of skills, abilities, values, and passions do I have that other people don't that I can create a vision behind for my future? So that's really the first question I ask. And if if they can kind of just get behind that and understand that, holy holy smokes, I I, get, I can't answer that question apart from my career. That's that's a stumbling block, and that's something that we can really help them overcome to turn that stumbling block into a stepping stone by helping them identify who they are. The next question that we would simply ask is, well, if that's who you are, then where do you want to go, right? It's the idea of reorienting and repurposing. It's finding the direction. It's laying out the action steps needed to begin to live out your who you are, that vision for the future. It's finding a path, a vision for your future. And the next step, quite honestly, Josh, if you think about you know, where, where you work, you have team members that you work with 40, 50, 60 hours a week, you have office um, connections, you have friendships there. Upon retirement, those workmates go away. And so the question that you have to now be confronted with is who's coming alongside me? Because ultimately your workmates are gone, you have to replace those workmates with playmates. Mm. And oftentimes we'll we'll use our spouse for that, but our spouse doesn't want you in their their hair the whole time. And so who are those important relationships, those key friendships that you need to establish? Who's coming alongside you in that in that desired, that bigger future? It could be family or grandkids or friends that you make at clubs or organizations or interest groups or church, but social connections are invaluable to successful second half. And then lastly, we ask them, why is this important, right? What What is it that you're wanting to do it's important for various reasons you want to finish the race well you want the rest of your life to matter on this earth you don't want any regrets it's also about helping those who are left behind so often josh we we consider we as financial advisors we consider those estate planning documents good enough to leave our legacy to the next generation and they can get all the money upon our death but that legacy doesn't have to begin when you're gone. 
that legacy can begin today. We can write notes to a loved one. We can set, send a text to the grandkid. We can document that story, that experience that we had, that life lesson for the next generation to learn from. And we can just ask ourselves, who can be blessed by the generosity of our time and our talents and our treasure today? But let me flip the script on you, Josh. You said that you had a really interesting story that occurred in your in your career. I'd love to hear more about it. So we had a couple come in. I've known this couple for years. We we helped them amass a decent amount of money for retirement, enough to retire, uh, put them on a budget because it was an area where the husband was very frugal, built a nice little nest egg. He did not want to retire until he could put the wife on a budget. So the wife was very uh, much a big fan of the show. So we developed a, a very deep relationship. And if you know the woman, she actually reminds me of my mother, who has since uh, gone to be with the Lord. She passed away in 2018. Sorry. Amazing woman. And this woman kind of looks like my mother. It's insane. <laughs> right. And... I just, I can't wait till she comes in the office just to give her a big hug because mm -hmm. it's sort of like hugging my mother. Like uh, she exudes that love. Yeah. Uh, just a darling woman. And I mean, crazy thing is like my, my both my mom and my dad had heart surgery. Mm. She was one of the lead nurses where they had heart surgery. So really wow. crazy story. Yeah, the connection. Uh, I might do nuts. a podcast on just them and how amazing they are. But yeah. they come in come in the office and just after like 14 years, find out he was saved by Richard Nixon in Vietnam. Okay. No way. <laughs> so here, this wow. crazy story where he led, um, was really a tragic story his whole life because he had survivor's guilt because he mm. was one of the few people who survived in a whole battalion yeah. and yep. he was their sergeant. So he was leading his men and, he miraculously got saved on a presidential order where they got him out of Vietnam. Mm. And even there's a story behind that story. So, so real powerful. And I didn't hear that story until we were going to do kind of trust and estate planning. Yeah. And so it got me to think, man, we got to get the more of these stories earlier, document them, chronicle them for the next generation. That's right. And it was amazing how, I didn't hear that story until they were sort of ready to kind of put their final affairs in order. Hopefully they live 20 more years, but they were kind of ready to do estate planning, trust, wills, all that stuff. And, and you hear this story, which is really probably the couple, I mean, this story is one of the greatest stories I've ever heard in 30 years of financial planning, both from its tragic, you know, side, then also, mm -hmm. um, providential side and, and grace where this guy is such a blessing to other people. His wife's mm -hmm. a blessing to other people. Mm -hmm. So it was just um, interesting that kind of, I'm just putting two and two together, like hearing your story. And then sometimes you'll get to remember one of my, one of my, one of my great clients uh, kind of really became close as he was going uh, through rough patches in his life. And, you know, people go through rough patches and, so much of money, though, is the non-financial side, meaning you could right. amass a big fortune and lose half of it in a divorce. That's right. You could amass a fortune, and then your kids could evaporate it as they sue each other over who gets what. 
Mm-hmm. So, so this is not merely like tangential, it's central mm. because, you know, if you, if your kids hate each other or your spouse hates you or whatever it might be, or you don't have significance in the second half of life and you're depressed, like what's the point of all of this? So right. I, I think it's not just like a side matter, you know, it is you know, central. We're not solely material beings, you know, so this is uh, beautiful. So we're talking about the book Stepping Stones with Tony Hickson. And for those of you who want the book, you can call me right now at 888-988-JOSH and get that book free. Tony's been generous to ship four free copies of his book to the first four of you who schedule and keep your no-obligation review at 888-988-JOSH. And I know I'm going to listen to you and think, man, I'm doing some... I'm going to do some things differently with people like, you know, only because all of this financial stuff could be evaporated due to divorce, remarriage, kids not getting along. Um, It's very, it's very big. So what other resources do you recommend for somebody going through sort of they're listening right now, and they realize, yeah, you're right. I'm kind of depressed in retirement. We mm-hmm. mentioned questions to ask who yeah. you are. Yeah. Uh, what other resources do you take a client through or or just recommend to our listeners? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would think of two right away. Um, the first is um, the book Halftime, right? So I've mentioned what a halftime is and why we recommend our clients taking one. Uh, there's a book out there called Halftime. It's written by a gentleman by the name of Bob Buford, and he beautifully um, articulates how important a halftime can be transitioning from one career to what's next. Uh, the second resource I would provide is, um, you know, we we have started a coaching service. Uh, as a result of the success of of this book and this message, people have said, you know, uh, I've read the book, uh, I, I put it back on the shelf, and I've kind of forgotten about it. I, I, I haven't taken any action and far be it from us to allow that story or that desire to um, to fall by the wayside. And so we've started a refocus coaching here at our firm, where um, our we've we've hired a life coach, where he takes uh, he he doesn't know any of our clients' numbers in any way, shape, or form, and he's a life coach, and he sits down one on one, one on two with a client and really navigates, um, uh, 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 keeps them accountable, really navigates the answers to these questions and helps them think through um, what could be what could be a, a brighter and bigger future for them. And what's, re- what's really significant and cool about that is that he is a coach. He is not a counselor. You know, you think of counseling and, and why clients may not open up. Uh, you had mentioned that earlier. Uh, well, that, that's because I think they, they have a, a misguided idea of what coaching is. It's not about I'm a victim of the past and something happened to me. I need to overcome it. No, 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 no. It's Bill Belichick and and Tom Brady. It's it's uh, getting the best out of your players. And so he doesn't really necessarily talk about what's behind. He takes you right where you're at and encourages you and gives you and arms you with the best uh, resources available to make you your best self so that you can come out in the second half and win the game. Fantastic. So the psychological aspect of retirement is not easy to prepare for. 
What can future retirees do to prepare for the psychological changes of retirement? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the first is uh, listen to your radio show. Listen to listen to our conversation. Um, this this matters. Uh, mental health has become a, a more important topic in our culture today, and it's one that's been neglected for far too long. In our industry, it's been neglected for far too long, and we've obviously uh, uh, we've been very credentialed and experienced and skilled to describe exactly what a Roth conversion is. We know exactly how to tell you when or when not to exercise your options. We, we know exactly your stock options. We, we know exactly how to um, communicate the benefits of an IRA rollover, but we're not necessarily trained to deal with, to help our clients deal with the psychological side of, of that change, of that major transition into what's next. And um, so I think that as as you and as I really um, embrace and dig deeper into into this topic, into this story, I, I think it just starts to peel back the layers and starts to really promote our industry into caring more about the non-financial side and of the psychological side and into the mental health side of of what our clients are are experiencing in their transition to retirement. Now, when should people begin thinking seriously about these issues for retirement? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get this question a lot and I love it. I don't know if there's this perfect answer. I mean, you could be 40 and benefit from thinking this through. You could be 40 and you're just in that you're in the midst of raising kids and taking them to on travel leagues and and trying to climb that corporate ladder. So when I would ask you, who are you without using your title or your career, it would be very difficult for you to, to answer. And so I think the answer is you should start now. If you're 40, start now. And I would also say that if you're a few years away from retirement, you're 62 and thinking that maybe I should um, a transition when I'm Medicare age, well, yeah, I think 62 is a perfect age for you to really think through. You have three-year runway to really identify what that halftime looks like for you and what could be next. And then lastly, you're already there. You're in retirement. You're you're 69 years old and, and uh, you retired six years ago. I shouldn't be listening to this radio show. It's, it's, uh, that happened years ago. I, I disagree. You can still do the work today you can still start to think through what um, how you could be a blessing to those around you today you still have skills and experiences and passions in a heartbeat for you to be a blessing on humanity and this is a great opportunity for you to embrace that and to take this uh, moment and make your future bigger than your past for those of you just joining us we're with tony hickson author of the book retirement stepping stones and as we break, I'm going to ask him some more questions on what he's learned. Uh, you know, what are some tactical tips? Okay, go on a missions trip, uh, get a skill, whatever it might be. And I'll tell you about a story that I had with a 90-year-old woman the other day, and she just didn't want to be here anymore, wanted the Lord to take her. And, you know, so, th so this whole, like, theme resonates with people, even if they're not willing to admit it. So what are some tips? I always tell, I mean, one tip I have is tell everybody, you got to practice retirement. Like, so mm -hmm. if you're 60 and you've been a workaholic for 40 years, you can't just flip the switch. You may drive your wife crazy. 
uh, we have listeners who may be thinking, oh man, Josh, you talking about me? I just talked to you about this. And in reality, uh, I deal with this with a lot of clients, so, so I get this. But one of my tips is, if you've never taken 10 weeks off in a year, or 12 weeks off in a year, or eight weeks off in a year, take a number of weeks vacation every year because you'll start learning. Can you really live with your spouse like you have lived <laughs> as a workaholic? All of those things are very important, you know? So uh, that, that's a tactical tip that I thought of. Uh, what other tips do you have? Yeah, I love it. That's a really good one. Um, appreciate that, Josh. I would I would add to that. Um, coming up with what we would call a, a plan B. So you take retirement on the on the test run and you decide that uh, all the commercials about how often you would golf and um, all the trips you would be on, well, golf becomes a bit boring and trips are a bit expensive and you find yourself basically at home all day. Um, the plan B is, you know, retirement, while it sounded cool, um, maybe it just isn't fit your uh, personality or your skill set. And so that plan B gives you the opportunity to say, you know what, I was a, a doctor for a lot of my life, but I love tinkering with um, uh, with projects at home. So I'm going to go and, and see if there's a job available at Lowe's so that I can help uh, others uh, find their home improvement projects or vice versa, you know, uh, an auto, uh, want to work in an auto uh, vehicle sales facility, anything like that to, 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 to test run retirement for a bit, which you had mentioned very eloquently, and then to decide, you know what, it didn't work for me, but I don't want to necessarily go back to the same thing. I'm going to try plan B. I'm going to try this. Uh, conversely, it can be right up your alley. I, I was a, a lawyer in, a, in my career. Uh, now I can teach business law at a uh, at a private university in my hometown, or I was an accountant in my career, and um, the high school, local high school, really needs volunteers to help teach what debits and credits are. So you can actually just stay within the same skill set that you had in your career, uh, but just express it in a different um, uh, a different environment, and still find a lot of meaning and purpose and significance in that. Oh, fantastic! What about uh, missions trips or things like that? Uh, volunteer work. I mean, where do you do you see that that helps people? Hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um. Yeah. No, I can't. I don't know if I can add to that. Missions trips, volunteers, act, volunteer activities, those things that pull at your heartstrings that were a bit crowded out during the career phase, um, and you now have ample time to be able to go to the local YMCA or your local library to read to youngsters or to um, the, the United Way to help um, those underprivileged people in your community. Uh, this is a very great uh, moment for you to really get uh, involved in, in those passion points that are important to you. And I would be quick, Josh, to, to, to go back to before the break where you had said that you had a story of that 90-year-old that was ready to give up on life. I'd like to hear the balance of that story, if you don't mind. Well, uh, on the 90-year-old woman, mm -hmm. so she, she was just breaking down, crying to me, hmm. you know, that her family uh, did not, you know, she's just lonely. Widow, lost her husband 20-plus years ago. Yeah. And, you know, her, how did, how her did you kids, handle that? Her kids um, try to take time to be with her. So, you know, yeah. close family. See, that's sometimes the thing. You could have a close family and feel alone. 
And yeah. it's not necessarily, and it's funny then when, and, and I see this working with a lot of elder, you know, elderly people, retired people, you know, they express, Hey, I'm lonely to my kids. The kids feel then, Oh, like a guilt trip. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they can remove themselves from their guilt as a child. I mean, you mm-hmm. had guilt, right? Uh, I did. You know, sometimes it's not about the kid. It's about what they're going through, phases of life, their own grief. And the kid internalizes that, hey, I'm not enough for my parent. Where the parents are saying, hey, I'm in a different phase of life. I'm not finding meaning and purpose. And then it's almost like that every time the kid hears the parent, they now don't even want to talk to the parent or they don't not as close as they used to be because mm-hmm. they feel this guilt. So one thing that I said work through is, you know, you got to find the people who want your presence. There yeah. may have been a stage of life where you were really devoted mother. And now your kids, if you did a good job, they're going to be devoted grandparents. Maybe they mm-hmm. may not have as much time for you as you want, but maybe there's somebody in your circle that you can be a mother or a grandmother to or a grandfather who nobody cares about Hmm. and find those people to find significance. I'm thinking of one, another client I know who, you know, did not have necessarily the best relationship with her kids or grandkids, but she was very devoted to like the neighbors. Hmm. And I, I went to this one's funeral and all the neighbors raved about this woman and family were like, who was she? She wasn't, you know, um, (laughs) But you know what? Maybe there's some psychological issue she had where she couldn't come up with things. Sometimes I I find that, you know, the older you are, sometimes you get, you know, oh, I'm lonely. Nobody cares about me. Everybody feels that way. Everybody, oh, I don't have any friends. You know, it's like you got to go, you know, I got to be a friend to make a friend. So I'm just thinking, I mean, did I solve this woman's problem? No. I mean, I helped her feel a little bit of hope and yeah. significance or, hey, redirect that passion to these people. You know, yeah. these people really want your presence right now. It's not that that person, and that's, I think, sometimes our thing. It's not that those people don't love you any less. It's just transitions. People kind of come and go in your life at various points. I don't know. I mean, what, what tips would you give? Yeah. Well, I love I love how you handled it, Josh. And I would I would simply affirm uh, that you said that you built a little bit of encouragement and optimism in her. I, I think the the older we get, the the more propensity we have to sit in front of a TV. And I don't, I'm not saying that this 90 year old lady did that, but the propensity is is that we sit in front of a TV and watch news all day. And what sells? It's the bad news. Uh, it sells those advertisements the best. And so oftentimes we can get really caught up in, in pessimism and, and bad thoughts. And so for you to, ar- to articulate hope and optimism and encouragement to her, I think is exactly what people like that need. Um, what we really need more in this life is what is hope. What we need more of is optimism. No statue was ever built to a pessimist. Um, I truly believe in the core of my being, and I share it with you and your listeners today, that the best is ahead. There's never a time that we're going to look back on 2023, on the good old days. Innovation will always be better. Um, new, New products and services will come to market that will improve the way that we live, work, and play. And I can't wait for the future. The best is always ahead. And it's best to, ultimately, sometimes it's best to turn off the TV and to open a, a good book 
or to listen to a great podcast or to tune in to your radio show on Saturday mornings so that you can have a dose of optimism and realism and hope in your life that you need uh, to put your uh, feet, two feet on the ground the next day to make an impact on this world. Yeah, that, that's great. And I just think there's so many people who've lost a parent, who've lost a mother, a father, many people feeling alone. One of the best ways to gain significance is just spending time with people, invite people over, mm-hmm. be, be, you know, somebody that they could have a cup of coffee with. I mean, I, um, I, I had a friend who said, Hey, you know what? Y- you have the permission to yell at my son because his father passed away and she wanted sort of some male role model to kind of give him a little bit of uh, stern discipline. And, you know, that, that was very wise of that woman, you know, Mm -hmm. to see that that might be a need of her son. And Mm -hmm. I think so many times we have this news cycle that you turn on TV, you turn on the news and oh, the world's going to hell. It may, but you know, you have to be building a culture, build a family, build uh, build into people's lives. You know, and that's yeah. the the greatest way. Get so many people. I mean, every day, I talk to four out of eight people a day are depressed about the current situation in the country, and that Amen. that may mm-hmm. be true. Uh, there may be, you know, the national debt is an all-time high, you know, the future sort of looks bleak, but, you know, build into, or people, you know, complain about the kids or the millennials or these wacky, you know, teenagers. Well, they may be wacky for a reason because they've had, they've had no one like you to take interest in them. So uh, I think in this social media TV age, yeah, reach out and touch someone, connect. So that's a great way to gain significance. I want to thank you, Tony Hickson, for joining yeah. us. Yeah. Tony's been so gracious to give away a copy of his book. So call us at 888-988-JOSH. Schedule that 45-minute wealth strategy session and parting thoughts. Last 30 seconds. Uh, thank you for uh, the opportunity. I would say that uh, uh, the proceeds from the sale of the book uh, go to the Pam Hickson Memorial Nursing Scholarship Fund set up at a local university. It goes to a nursing student who displays good grades and financial needs. So I don't stand to benefit financially from the sale of this book, but uh, scholarship recipients do. And the reason that uh, we set this up is so that they would launch into their healthcare career not only with the mindset of caring for others, but to care for themselves as I share the story of what happened to my mom and it helps them, encourage them into their future as well. I want to thank you so much for joining us, Tony Hickson, and check out Tony's work at TonyHickson.com. Hickson is spelled H-I-X-O-N.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you.